Good morning. It's good to be here. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather be down there. But God has me up here, and so I hope that I can share with you um, what God has shared with me and that it could be a blessing to you. Um, it has been a blessing to me just in studying and preparing for this. And I know that I have, have grown and learned from this. And I'm not going to bring anything new to you, anything that you haven't heard before, but it's something that I believe God wants us to hear. If you care to, I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 27 today, and you can turn to there and follow along. I'll be reading through the whole chapter. It's 14 verses. Psalm 27. And this goes along a little bit with what Norman read this morning. Um, there's a, a lot of good in this chapter, but I'm going to be focusing on one verse in particular. But I'm going to read through the chapter and go from there. So Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, <clears throat> and now my heart shall be lifted above mine enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. <clears throat> Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help, and do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of mine enemies. <clears throat> do not deliver me to the will of mine advers adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So there is so much in this chapter that we could dig into and apply to our life and, and make a, a message out of. But there is one verse in particular that, that I've been thinking on lately. Um, when, I think of, when I think of life and what, what keeps me going, what, what strives me to, to worship the Lord and to be a Christian and to go to heaven. Um, I think of verse 13. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness of the Lord is what I'm going to be, be talking about today. And that is something that, that is all around us. Um, and as Christians, it's so important that we find that and we see that. It's no surprise, um, you know, in today's world that there's a lot going on, there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of 
of bad. There's a lot of wickedness. There's a lot of good. Um, but with and gossip, we hear so much negativity, and it's it's depressing. Um, and so many people dwell on that and can't get past that. Um, you know, there's the situation in Ukraine, and there's crazy gas prices, and there's there's COVID, and, there, and there's so much things, so many things that we could fill our mind with, and and I'm not saying that we need to be ignorant and ignore what is happening in Ukraine or or COVID or, or whatever, but we're so quick to to read news and to believe this and to share this and to gossip on this and. And there's just so much negativity around when, when there's also so much goodness around us that we need to dwell on and to, to live in. And um, the goodness of God is, is still here. We need to claim it. It is life-giving. It, it gives us light. Um, it gives us hope. And as Christians, we have, we have hope that so many people don't. So many people don't have the hope that we do. They don't have the light that we do, the life that we do. And they live in negativity. Um, like when I when I look around, I see I see the goodness everywhere. I could point out, you know, healthy families. I can point out um, sunshine, things growing outside. There, there's so much goodness all around us. Um, yeah, I look at my beautiful family. That is the goodness of God. It is nothing that I have done. That is the goodness of God. Dwight and Lori, you guys are are building a house. That is that is the goodness of God. Um, that you can do that. Um, Marvin, your Kansas Jayhawks are still in the tournament. That's got to be the goodness of God because there's nothing else good in Kansas. So anyway, um, I say that because he roasted my Buckeyes Wednesday night and I wasn't here to defend myself. So we're good, Marvin. <clears throat> um, point is, there's, there's goodness everywhere, and yet we so often overlook that and we let the negativity that's around us fester in our mind and um, take us to places that we shouldn't be at. Um, yeah, I'm going to read a little story here that is a tragedy, but then out of tragedy came the goodness of God. Does anybody remember what happened in Chicago in October of 1871? Great fire. Great fire, yeah. So... I was doing some research on that, and, and you know, the, the story behind it is, you know, a cow kicked over a lantern, that could be a possibility, but they don't really officially know the cause of the fire, but nonetheless, it was a, a terrible tragedy. Um, I'm just going to read a few notes here. The, the fire killed approximately 300 people, destroyed roughly 3.3 square miles of the city, including over 17,000 structures, and left more than 100,000 residents homeless, and this was... This was October in Chicago, so it wasn't like it was springtime and getting sunny. It was getting cold, so that was, that was a terrible thing. But I'm going to read a, another story here that um, uh, it goes through this, the fire here, and it's part of the story. Um, there's a story about a man named Horatio Spafford. I don't know if that rings a bell with anybody, but... And this may not be a new story to some of you, but I'm going to read this story. So Horatio Spafford was a, was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and in that same year, much of their business was lost in the Great Chicago Fire. 
he was, he was a lawyer, but he also invested a lot into property, and he had a lot of property um, that he owned, and it was destroyed by the fire, and, and that was that. Um, so yet God was, God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner, I'm gonna to try to pronounce this correctly, Ville du Hare, was crossing the Atlantic from the US to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters, and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and the children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into crossing the Atlantic, the Ville du Hare collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Um, I'm going to stop there for a minute. And I don't want to make this humorous, but I'm trying to imagine like a, a steamboat and a, and a you know a ship with a sail. I mean, you probably could see each other from miles away. Maybe it was dark. I don't know. It's just the fact that they collided is sad, but it seems like it could have been avoided. But anyway, that's just another side note there. So they collided, and suddenly all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if that would be His will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the Ville du Hare slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which, nine days later, landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Another, another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna, saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked a passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him they were over the place where his children went down. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while on this journey. And we all know that song, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Anna gave birth to three more children, one of them which died at age four with pneumonia. Uh, but in August of 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem, spent the rest of their life there, and he died and is buried in that city. Um, his, I'll leave this up to you, but the rest of his life was fairly interesting in what they were involved with over in uh, Jerusalem. It's fairly interesting and almost kind of sad, but nonetheless, the, the story of this song and the words of this song are, are a powerful message for all of us even to this day. So if you look at that account, you think of, um, it, it's something terrible that happened, but the goodness of God was still there. God used that, that situation, that terrible situation to, um, to bring out a song that hundreds of thousands of people have loved and sung many, many years after it was written. And if you look I'm not going to digest the whole song and look into all the song, but there are some verses that that mean a lot to me. And if you look at um, the verse, though Satan should buffet, the trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. 
when I, when I think of that verse, I think of um, Job in the Bible. He had a great life. He was blessed. And then Satan came through and just wrecked him and took away everything that he had, seemingly. Um, his friends turned against him. His wife, you know, did too and tried to get him to, to yeah, turn from God. But Job didn't. Um, he kept the faith. He stayed steadfast in what he believed, and we know what happens next. God blessed him even more abundantly than he had before, and that is, that is the goodness of God. Um, bad things happen, yes, to all of us, but we cannot dwell on that and, and sit in that. The goodness of God will shine through. The verse, my sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. This makes me think of another passage in the Bible that's one of my favorite passages um, in the whole Bible. And if you want to turn to it, you can. I'm going to read about the prodigal son in Luke um, chapter 15. If you want to turn to that, you can. I'm going to read a few verses there in Luke 15, verses 11 to 24. You don't have to turn there. It's a very familiar passage, but I'm going to read the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 11 through 24. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and, sent, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, <coughs> his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. When I read this passage, it, it just takes me straight to, to God and what his relationship is with me. And all of us are human, all of us sin, and, and I would love to believe that all of us are in a great place, and I believe we are, and we are, if the Lord came today, we would all go to heaven, and that's awesome. But in this passage, we, we see that no matter what we do or how far we turn from God, he is right there. And, and the verse that I love, it says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. His dad, you know, God, is not just sitting somewhere waiting for us to come to him and confess. And God is, is right there. Like, we can be in the most evil part of the world, whether that's Vegas or New York City or wherever it may be, in the most evil situation. And we can say, God, I, I am sorry. I, 
I am sinning, and God is right there. We don't have to go anywhere. And, and that is such a comfort to me that no matter where I am or what I do, God is there. Um, we don't have to go, we don't have to come to church here and sit by the pulpit and, and cry on our knees. Um, God is waiting for us. He's watching for us. He wants us. And the second we acknowledge that and turn around and say, God, I need you, he is there. And that is the goodness of God. Um, nothing, nothing that we have done deserves any of that. It is, it is only the goodness of God that gets us that. Um, because of the goodness of God, because of his grace, we are free. And that is something that a lot of people don't have. It takes a little faith to do that. I have a little story here that I love. It's about a little girl and, and her dad, and they were going to cross a bridge. And the dad was feeling a little bit uneasy about crossing this bridge, so he said to his little daughter, hey, I want you to, to hold my hand. And the little daughter said, no, dad, can you hold my hand? And he said, well, what's the difference? And he was puzzled. And the little girl said, there's a big difference, dad. She said, if I hold your hand and something scary happens, I might let go. But if you hold my hand, I know that no matter what happens, you're never going to let go of my hand. And that is faith. That is, that is the goodness of God um, holding on to us. He will not let us go. And the, the last verse of that song says, And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be made sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. And going from here, um, yeah, I don't have anything mind-blowing to say, but, but just know that the goodness of God is everywhere, and we need to live in that, and we need to dwell in that. Um, it's okay to be aware of the evils of the world and to know what's happening, and we should know what's happening, and, and we need to pray for Ukraine and do what we can to help situations like that, but we cannot dwell um, on negativity. We have the goodness of God given to us, and we need to dwell in that. Um, in a little bit, I'm going to sit down and we're going to have a song played in closing. Um, I don't know what is, what is happening tomorrow. Um, the world is evil and can be a scary place. But the goodness of God is still here. And I'm living in that, and I hope you can too. Um, God is one. Christ has prevailed, and it is well with my soul. That's all I have this morning.